Hi guys, you're listening to the Morning After the Life Before podcast. I'm Jack Schofield. And I'm Sam Corty. And the idea of this podcast is we're going to invite guests on to talk about their unheard stories behind their success and their character. We want to listen to their mischievous childhoods, bumpy educations and stories that don't quite fit the stereotypical model. The idea is we're going to wake up to find out what really happened behind the scenes and stories that never quite made it to social media. This podcast is currently supported and produced by the team at 226 Photography. Sam, we're back. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Had an interesting week, but um, yeah, all good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Also had quite a fun week for reasons very different to yours. We're going to do a podcast on why your week's been interesting next week. Yeah, I'll keep it vague. I had a week started off as a low, out of it came a high. So we'll talk about that more in a following podcast. That's it. That's it. Really spiking the interest there, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the suspense is killing me. I have to wait till next week for that one. Okay, so how how was your week then? Yeah, it was cool. So we recorded this podcast and then I... I cycled to the north coast of Scotland in four days. So that was fun. Uh, saw some cool stuff. The weather was good. Um, and I'm going to be designing a book, which will be available in the next, hopefully, month or two. But I'm not, won't tie myself to any dates. But yeah, that's really exciting. So enjoying that. Without any more waffle, do you want to introduce this week's guests? Yeah. So this week, we've got two guests, Fraser Christie and Scarlett Williams, girlfriend and boyfriend. They both were at Bath University with the two of us. That's how we know them. First started training with Fraser when we were at Bath. And so we've now been friends for like nine years, which is crazy at times I do still have to force him to be my friend but this was one of them times <laughs> yeah this is one of them times whether he's still my friend after the podcast I don't know <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out um so Fraser Road internationally for Great Britain and Scarlett played netball at Super League level and now they both own and run Freerider Co which is a maternity lifestyle brand yeah we just wanted to get them on and have a chat about I wouldn't uh, I mean this I'm going to start giving it away already but their transition from sport to business and we wanted to know a lot about how they perceive their lives so far as to whether they've been a success or a failure so it's quite a personal episode this one but it's really it's good they've both experienced sport at the highest level training and competing internationally so then to put that behind them at such a young age and try and transition into a competitive business world is yeah we hope you enjoy hearing how that how that is going for them We're live. It's on. Hello. Hi. How are you guys? Yeah, we're yeah. good. Not too bad. We're really uh, good, yeah. Surviving, I suppose. So we should say that we know you very well, Fraser. You and Sam rode together on GB Start. Obviously, you guys have been a couple for five years. I actually think it's like six, six and a bit. Six and a half. Yeah, something like that. There we go. So obviously, Scarlett, you've been around a long time as well now. So. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping that because of that, we we know a little bit about you already and we can get to some fairly juicy stuff. <laughs> oh, what juicy I hope stuff. not. I'm like, what do they know? <laughs> 
so let's get stuck in then. I'll let you guys decide who wants to start, but tell us a little bit about your like early life, where you're originally from, sort of what your family life looked like, you know, siblings, parents, location. Okay, so um, I'll, I'll go first. I was born in Bath, but grew up kind of all over the place because dad is in the army. So we moved roughly every two years while I was growing up. Lived in quite a few different places, a few different schools um, from like Essex to Wales and spent a bit of time in Germany. And but I don't remember a lot of that because I was quite young and then eventually went to boarding school because then I wouldn't have to keep changing schools and learning the same stuff over and over and not learning loads of stuff because I missed it all out so that was good went to boarding school in Bath as well so born there went to school there eventually went to university there as well just because I loved it so much I guess you probably missed out the most important interesting thing about you and your family oh uh, what's that your brother and your sister oh yeah no yeah okay <laughs> yeah, I'm, no. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I am a twin also have two sisters who are also twins they're two and a half years younger one of them looks like me and one looks like my brother so my brother has ginger hair and one of my sisters has ginger hair and I don't and I wouldn't say that's the most interesting <laughs> thing about Scarlett, you're picking this up very quickly. <laughs> yeah, so then went to university in Bath, got into rowing actually just before I went to university and then rowed through university with the aim of one day making the national team with the plan of going to the Olympics. You can leave that there. We'll discuss that a bit later. You just can't give everything away within two minutes of talking. So yeah, we've done three minutes with Fraser. Can't wait for the next hour about Scarlet. I'm going to do mine really short. So I was born in a very small village called Penfield, Um, Went to a school locally. Have two brothers. My older brother is now living in America, but he's probably my inspiration for sport because I like to copy him at every stage possible, which included standing up when I was like two years old and trying to pee in the toilet as a boy I copied him a lot and you never grew out of that right and I still do that so um, <laughs> yeah I guess a similar thought background to Fraser but not in rowing so I started with netball from a young age other than that I think that's pretty my, my family line is a bit more punchy than Fraser's yeah that was much quicker than mine <laughs> yeah I will short intro just like this yeah. is what I do <laughs> what were your aspirations when you were younger as in like did you want to be pilot or did you want to be an astronaut so I would have probably at a young age I'd have told you I wanted to be an England netball player minus being an actress at the age of like three that was my that was my love from three to five and so some people just know that they're born for the limelight quite early on though yeah. <laughs> actress at three that was definitely Scarlett I don't think I really knew wanted to make money when I was younger how's that going for you <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and I still mom. want to make money so I studied economics at university and not because it was particularly interesting but I thought that that's how you made money I was incorrect so far so I didn't have many like other things apart from like you know classic when I was younger I was like I want to be a footballer and that kind of thing the issue was that I was literally no good so that was a dream that never happened including your brother used to beat you up on the pitch because you were so bad <laughs> so my brothers was quite good at football and I was not quite good at football but we used to um, play on the same team because obviously they had to let me play because Carl was playing so my dad told me we were I just, he was watching us play and the, our team gave away a free kick I gave away a free kick we were playing over in, in Germany and this little German kid came up and like basically took the free kick scored like everyone was livid and then there was like a fight broke out and then my dad basically said he like looked over to what was going on in the fight and the referee was there pulling Carl my brother off me tried to beat me up 
giving away the free kick. He was so mad about how terrible I was, I think. Does he do that after your Christmas sibling races? Yeah, actually, I should have mentioned in the intro, I'm a twin. I'm also currently the reigning superior twin on account of the Boxing Day race that we have every year. Every year on Boxing Day, physical challenge. So yeah, Carl, Carl won two in a row, but I pulled one back recently just yeah <laughs> what stage did you did you both decide you wanted to go to uni was that always because that was the easiest pathway through sport yeah so I I think netball kind of pushed me into early well early stage wanting to go to uni uh, we trained at Bath for a lot of the time um, in the under 21 so I used to have weekends up there all the time which initially made me sick of it but after uh, I took a gap year in between A levels and uni and realised like what an amazing place it was and then ended up going back there. Initially I wanted to study economics, a bit like Fraser, but then um, kind of had a light bulb moment, I guess, in my gap year and realised that I didn't like economics at all. <laughs> um, I wish I had that. Yeah, I was like, why am I studying economics? Um, and then I switched like very last minute, I had to like turn down my place and hope that another offer would come through, um, which was all arranged by a netball coaches. So I don't actually know how that happened. I applied to Loughborough. So this is something that I was about to bring up that happened for both of you, didn't it? So you originally applied for Loughborough Scholar, if I'm right, and didn't make the grades. And Fraser, you did the same for Oxford, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I think it was Cambridge I applied for. No, maybe it was Oxford. Yeah, I actually didn't even get an interview. They, they were not interested. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Still scarred. I think your granny still brings that up, though, doesn't she? Yeah, actually, yeah, Sam, you know, you know me well. Yeah, I went to the open day once, so now she tells people that I went to Oxford. I've also been to Oxford, so does that count? Yeah, yeah, I think every, everyone's been. Cool. So, Scarlett, <laughs> what made you turn away from Loughborough then? Was it that you didn't get the grade? Yeah, I came to A-level day, classic, you know, missed one grade, and then got deferred for a year, and then my coach at Bath, who had been my under-21s coach, uh, got in touch, and then she kind of engineered for me to go to Bath in a lot of phone calls, a lot of discussions. Um, but yeah, Bath wasn't really on my radar, mainly because I've just, I'd trained there for so many years. I thought I wanted a bit of a change up, but then yeah, a year away from it all. I didn't play too much netball in my year out, um, a year abroad. Uh, so I then thought, yeah, I'll give it another crack, go to Bath a bit of intense training so that kind of made my decision and phrase did you always know you're going to bath because of it was the easiest choice well you already had the setup right with star and the people around you and sort of you'd had a bit of experience of uni life you knew some of the older students because you were rowing with them yeah exactly so i i was training at the university like in my last year of school so i got to know quite a few people there and the rowing setup and everything like that and yeah i basically wanted to find somewhere where i could combine like rowing with a decent degree which obviously ruled out oxford brooks although how did that decent degree go for you (laughs) not so decent this is something i really want to hear you talk about is that obviously you spent your whole uni career quite intensely rowing which then due to various reasons you're now not rowing so like what was the how did you find the dynamic of that both at the time and in hindsight yeah it's 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 a backseat for a lot of it i don't think i ever really thought around it too much in fact i probably didn't think around it enough uh, so I was like, I like rowing and I'm trying to achieve this goal. And then I guess when you're like really focused on one thing, like it's difficult to balance it with everything else. I mean, it's difficult. Some people do it. I think I'm just really bothered to do it. I was constantly like, I'll be fine. I'll be all right. So I split my final year part time. I can row and then kind of do my final year over two years. And I was like, oh, this will be easy. I'll be fine. And then I got the results after the first year. And I was like, oh, I really need to do some work. Then actually was like, oh, 
maybe I do need to get a 2-1. So worked quite hard in my last year and still didn't get a 2-1. So it's a complete waste of all that hard work in the last year. But yeah, going back, I probably, I, I was about to say I wouldn't change how I did it. I probably would because it wouldn't have taken a lot more to like actually come out with a 2-1. But hasn't affected me so far. Do you really need a 2-1? I don't know. I, I guess I've, I've not had, had a proper job, probably because I couldn't get one. Girl, how was your uni career? Did you, were you solely focused on netball the whole way through and did you split your final year as well? Yeah, so I, I didn't actually split my final year. My kind of netball playing experience has always been a bit taunted by injury, unfortunately. And it kind of started when I was in the under 21s. I'd, I'd got in there quite early, at 17, 18, years old and in netball the world champs are every four years for under 21 so I'd got in I was too old for the next ones but I was quite young for the one I was in and because of that I've I've always been like very I've always been quite driven so I'd I just really wanted to make the squad only 12 players got to go and I was up against people a lot older than me and I unfortunately got into a, a stage of overtraining and got a stress fracture I guess from there it was like um, I didn't actually make the team like it was right over A levels um, so that was a really difficult time and then through university I had a good couple of playing years was in the Super League team really trying to get back into like the senior England setup and then did um did my ACL in my second year just before I went on placement and initially thought that was fine because look, placement years like I focused on like more of a career and my placement so gave that a lot of energy rehabbed at the same time and then as I came back my first Super League game of the season my knee just buckled and the operation that I'd initially had with my ACL just hadn't, it hadn't been done right. And that was through a number of reasons. Like I didn't go to a sports doctor. I wasn't under England Netball at the time. But luckily, the second time round, I was under England Netball. So I got sent to a completely different knee surgeon who ended up doing an amazing job. And I've touched wood, not had an issue since. But I think like through my playing career at uni and like towards the end of my A-levels, it was very in and out. It was a bit of an emotional roller coaster really through uni with playing an injury. And um, I think that really affected kind of like my progression from then on. Like As in, I was fine to play in my kind of, I came out of uni and I, I got to a stage where I was still playing Super League. Um, but I feel like I've missed those like really intense years of development through the t- my 20s from like 22 to 24. Went through quite a lot of sitting, you know, sitting, watching people through uni and quite emotionally draining, I guess. So yeah, I, I had the same thing as Fraser, training three times a day. I guess the only difference is a couple of those years were sitting as opposed to playing and a lot of rehab, <laughs> which is very, uh, yeah, like I'm sure you guys know, having been through injuries, it's a, it's a really tough place to be. So I literally bit. thought you were going to say, yeah, I guess the only difference was I got two and he didn't. Oh, yeah, and that, of course. Like, sorry, I actually study and train. Fraser just chose to study and sleep. But like Sam said on our last episode, it's a degree in throwing and catching. Exactly. <laughs> were you two on the same course or was one of you the slightly different variation? Uh, no, we were on the same course. Yeah. Oh, good. Just checking. But I think we only matched up in our final year because you came back from placement and I think I was doing my first half of my final year. Yeah. So I might be yes. right. What did you do for your placement, Scarlett? Um, I went over to Canada, actually. I was working for Fila and Wilson, like second tier sports band, but I was in their design department. So I actually had a really good year and I, I found I didn't really know what I wanted to do outside of netball. As I'm sure with you guys, like my life was completely engineered around sport. And up, like up until I had to go on my place when I was injured, I, I never really thought about what I wanted to do. It was like 
very uni channel for me. It was like, well, I'm going to be a, a netballer, obviously. You worked in the design department of a sportswear brand. Had you worked in anything like that before? No, so I hadn't, but I knew that I had like a real interest in sportswear design because it's the only thing I took an interest in outside, like, in sports science. I wasn't, I didn't love the physiology side. I didn't love, but I really loved design and I loved sports. So I kind of tried to put the two together in a very <laughs> loose way. And uh, yeah, applied that in Canada. Like I basically got impact in service i knew that was a footwear design t- team in-house so i just went over to their office knocked on the door and i was like hi um i basically don't want to learn customer service and i really want to learn this so they basically got stuck with me the whole year i don't know if they actually wanted, wanted me to be there <laughs> that makes a lot of sense as to what you're trying to achieve now when i first met scarlett she designed on, on illustrator or photoshop a sweet pair of trainers that had like my name on the bottom were designed in like colors that i chose the union um, jack flag we were the union jack flag <laughs> yeah so good but they've never been made into a reality one i feel like one day the, dream. one day we'll see them come out so when this podcast blows up and nike are listening yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Cool. <laughs> so since graduate what have you guys been up to i went and rode continued rowing for a little while um to well quite a long while actually <laughs> to leander to start with um so in henley which is kind of trying to hopefully get into the national team rode at leander for a year and then post the 2016 olympics did get into the the national team GB team training from like 2016 to 2017 18 struggling my way off the bottom of the pack so I was like in the squad but ranked right down the bottom like got to do some really cool stuff like went to two world cups I think and a European championships and then I was the spare out at the world championships in Sarasota which were all like like really really cool things never was quite kind of good enough to make like the full world champs team I had some issues in my heart I've had some kind of long-term issues with my heart which I had an operation on came back from that thinking it would be a fairly quick recovery process it was I was like back to training quite quickly but then just never really like got to the same level as I had been before like as always like I don't know kind of 10% off the standard that I'd been before like no matter how much I did it would never really come back. We had the first trial of the Olympic year and I went to that kind of not really knowing where I was standing. Did Again, didn't perform like particularly well and then decided to call it a day at that point because I was then not, not invited to any further trials for the Olympic year. So called it a day there and then we've kind of moved on to to running this business since then but I guess we'll get into that in a little bit oh, hang on just going back to your operation obviously I know a bit more of the backstory behind it yeah you were almost dealt a, a bit of an ultimatum of you get the heart surgery and you will be considered for further selection or if you didn't get it they weren't keen to have you in the team or around looking back how do you feel about the operation would you still go ahead and have it now given the response that you had to the operation there there was no like alternative in terms of even if they hadn't given me an ultimatum it was getting to the point where i was i was had this like irregular heartbeat that would kick in and would mean that i was useless at training i'd be like out of breath walking up the stairs and it started happening so often it was like maybe once or twice a week so there was no way that i could have not had the operation really and like i was desperate to have it because i was like i'll just get this it'll be sorted and i'll come back but obviously in hindsight that that wasn't the case but 
I would have done the same thing again had I gone through it again. Yeah. Charlotte, was it injury that caused you to leave netball in the end, or was it um, just you'd come sort of come to the end of the time? Yeah, to be honest, at the end it was I came to the end of it. When I finished uni, I then worked for Luke Stade for a year. I chose to stay in Bath because I just made the INTC, which is like the. Tr- the England senior training program back then they were based in like Manchester Bath and London and I just made like the bar set up and I tried so hard to get back into that program so there was no way I was leaving you know as soon as I'd finished uni so initially worked at Millfield then I got a job at Lucas Day. so I was able to tick like career and the netball box which had always been really important to me like I had always tried hard at school even though I like, wasn't the most academic I just put in a lot of effort <laughs> probably the same as my netball career like probably not the most talented but just trained the most <laughs> after I finished uni it was really important to me to go into something that I really thought I was going to have a career in and besides that like at the time netball's not something like rowing where you get funded a lot of money or it wasn't then it's slightly different now it wasn't something that you would do solely on its own so you as a netballer growing up you always had to have a focus outside of sport and that was always the way it was so yeah so I got a job at Lucas Age. I actually thought it was going to be my dream job because I'm working for a sports company and a big corporate. I was like, this is amazing. But I hate it. So balancing a job that was like really demanding in hours and then trying to be a full-time netball as well. So I'd be like up at six training, go do a full day at work that I really disliked, came back and it would be training another two hours in the evening and then I'd sleep in the evening and get up and feel knackered and then have to do a job that I really didn't like and it was just this repetitive cycle over the year of like actually being quite unhappy um, and at the end of the year I just remember saying to you like I, I just can't do this anymore I'm just really I'm not happy with my job and like because I was so exhausted I, I didn't feel like I was really giving what I could on court either because I was just turning up to training knackered and like you guys know if you're not getting the right sleep and you're not eating properly and you're not you're never able to give 100% of yourself at training and with people that are doing those things you just can't compete so yeah I think it was like my permanent battle with needing to have this career and probably needing to achieve in like every area of my life that actually in the end started to let me down with netball needing to in terms of your own drive yeah exactly I think that's actually one space where me and Fraser diff differ a little bit he was able to completely solely give up his life for one goal and like I really admire him I was always split in my thinking with like my heart would always be I wanted to play netball and I was a netball player and also probably the slight differences in like there was no opportunity for a full career in netball unless you're like the top five in the country that go out to play in Australia um, which again gives you like a good salary but it's nothing that you'll ever be able to like live on after netball so there's always that consideration in your mind as a netballer what are you going to do and I think that kind of thinking um, unlike Fraser was like he was like 100% I'm going to do this I'm going to give everything to it and he even gave his degree to it (laughs) part of me wonders if that was what's drilled into you as a netballer if if, if that's just sort of a traditional view on athletes because if you speak to like even now you know I do just take photos and ride my bike obviously I pitch it like that and that's not great but whenever you say to someone like oh what do you do it's like oh well I want to be an athlete like oh yeah but what are you going to do after that it's straight away drilled into you and I know that's because it's such an important consideration but the dreams are almost a lot of them shut down before they even start because that well you can't do that really can you so what are you going to actually do yeah it's completely that and I had the same conversation with my economics teacher he he was always like you could do so well in this if you didn't just keep going to netball because I had to miss like every Friday of school once a month to go up to Bath it was like a very long weekend I used to miss Mondays as well and he was basically saying you're gonna 
sacrifice your education and, and being the kind of student that you could be to go and play netball. But for me at that time, I was just like, well, this is all I want to do. And, and there's so many opportunities that come out of elite sport. And I think that mindset really needs to change because even if I didn't get an education behind me, the opportunity within sport itself is huge. Like you can go on and be a coach. You can go on. You can, there's so much you gain out of being a professional athlete. And it's not only drive or like it teaches you teamwork. It teaches you cohesion. It helps get on with people. It teaches you, you know, how to have a goal and try and like create steps to achieve. You're the same person with the same ability to learn at the end of all that. You know, if you could be talented in economics or talented in sport, no matter which way you divide yourself, at the end of it, you'll come out with a very positive skill set. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's just all either one or the other. And and so it's maybe just mindset needs to change around athletes because you do to be an athlete and to be the best you have to commit there can't be a piece of you that is somewhere else so if you're going to be the best you are 100 percent all in and that one thing and it's it's like trying to run two companies it's like it would be impossible for both of you were your parents and your family like fully behind what you wanting to be athletes or were they kind of have half a mind on the fact that you at some point needed to as some would say get a proper job yeah, get a proper job yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, mine like absolutely were. Yeah, don't think I could have done it without them. Literally from everything. So like when I was really young, they like bought me a moped to like get to and from training. Even when I was at uni, like they were still kind of funding my lifestyle and which is not like what you want to do long term. I think my dad in particular is, is very like patriotic. And so he was like anything that was in, involved representing GB, he just absolutely loved. And I, and I think I do as well. Yeah, it was just really nice to have them behind me so much and I think they kind of just knew they were like this is what he has to do at the moment and then everything else will figure itself out and so yeah I think I was definitely lucky in that sense yeah I'm the same like my mum well both my parents are super supportive but my mum just went over and over and above like what a normal kind of supportive parent would be she took me to like so I live in the middle of nowhere she would take me to Southampton on a on a Tuesday and Sunday she'd be in Winchester on Wednesday she'd take me up to Bath she'd take me to Sheffield like her life was ferrying me around um, yeah, that, that Southampton is not like a, your after school like sports club run. It's, two hours it's, it's like two there. hours yeah. away from here, and it happened like you'd go on a Tuesday night. Yeah, we'd go on a like... Tuesday evening. So like we'd need, she picked me up from school early. Our training was from eight till ten, so she picked me up, give me a quick dinner. She would drive from like ten at night to twelve in the evening. Um, we'd get back like twelve o'clock. Yeah, and the next day we'd probably be in Bath. It was just mental, like what she did and the time she gave up. And that's that's also the difficult thing about being a young netball player. It's it's a lot of travelling, like nothing. Thing, especially if you're in the south end of the country and nothing is close to you you almost to be successful you have to have a parent that's willing to take you everywhere yeah i think you almost forget like how much they do until you start yeah. thinking about when it like, like oh like, god literally like I, I remember my i used to like come home from uni or something on the weekend and then mom would like fill me up with food ready for like the next week and then dad would like send me back to uni with army ration packs because he was like i know you can't really <laughs> food and you need loads of calories so here just have loads of this stuff there's literally like any food to help they would do so I, I used, to, used to eat so many little army ration meals they were great so on the last podcast we did we spoke a bit about like the not the pressure from family but the, how their support impacted how we felt about performance and I said that I struggled especially when I used to ride because my parents gave so much is this you apologising to your parents no I've spoken to my parents and they're fine about it <laughs> <laughs> um, they understand um, but I used to feel because I knew how much they used to give and like with their time and financially 
I felt guilty if I couldn't repay them in results. Have either of you felt that sort of pressure that they obviously don't put on, that they don't put on you, but you almost, you make this pressure up yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Like I felt when I gave up netball, towards the end, I think my mum just knew that I really wasn't, I'd lost the love and the passion of playing and it just became something that I did. And I had to question my cycle because my mum was like, are you actually happy doing this? She always said, the day you turn around to me and say, I'm, I don't want to go to training today. It's the day that I stopped committing driving you to Southampton. And she was like, you never said that every day. Like you were 15 minutes early waiting at the car. You were like, you were training every day, even if you got back from netball at 12 o'clock. And it's like, she was like, you just loved it. And I think towards the end, I think she was like, do you love still do you love it like is it something you love and I think I took it so seriously towards the end and I was so hard on myself through like different ups and downs that it had become something that I would get to and I'd be like you know towards the end of a few Super League games I'd be like do, do I want to be here like is this still my dream it, it just changed a lot for me and she saw that and actually she was one of the people that kind of openly brought that conversation up with me and she was like my goal always was to make sure that you were happy and that you could fulfill whatever dream that you wanted to she was like you know if you you stop netball tomorrow I'm still as proud I'm still as happy like, I would have always done what I did for you then now she was like that makes zero difference to however your career was successful or not um so that like really meant a lot to me because I definitely felt like oh my god all this time all these hours she's given like how can I just turn around and say I don't want to play anymore or I'm not I'm not loving it as much as I used to um and it turned out like I, I still love netball I still play like twice a week and I love my club team I think for me just towards the end the seriousness I wanted to have fun with netball again and I found that in my club netball but that yeah that's kind of why I stopped playing Super League I just wanted some time to actually enjoy the sport as as opposed to kind of always have like this really strict goal but she completely understood Did you play at multiple clubs or were you only at Bath? I played Super League at Bath eight years six six to eight years or in the end or something like that and then I played no it must have been six years because then I played at Mavericks for a year and then I was at Surrey Storm for a year so yeah I, in the last couple of years I changed clubs my club at Hampton I've, I've always I played for them since I was like 14 they're just like I would always I'd travel two hours to play for them because they're like yeah kind of like family it's like a really close-knit club do you think the changing teams had anything to do with you losing the love of the sport or is it just your circumstance uh I think it definitely was just circumstance I actually loved sorry like the last year at sorry storm I I really enjoyed I loved the team actually I would say it's probably the best year that I'd had in terms of enjoyment in the team environment and like the players around me I think for me I just I had had like a bat I'd had another injury in the season and I had to take like another few weeks out and then like once you're out in netball for part of the season it's really hard to reincorporate you back in the team because you've been in and someone's obviously come in and done a good job they find a combination that works after a couple of months and then you can't afford to then take that combination away because it's been training well and it's been playing well so like why even if that person's then fit do you put them back in so that end of the season I was just like oh I just can't I don't think I had it in my mentality like my mindset to kind of go through another potential season of being good and not being able to get on court I'd done that for two years and I just my mindset wasn't in the right place to fight back anymore and that's like it's a sad thing to say but I did it was like it was a mental battle with myself more than anything but also like 
what was I losing in that time that I wasn't getting on court, that I was sitting on the bench and that, you know, and that started to come into my mind. Did you just struggle at all with the dynamic of that? Because obviously, Fraser, your end in sport was almost dictated to you. And whereas Scarlett, it sounds like the writing was on the wall for a season or two and therefore you had time to come to terms with the decision. Like, I wonder, as a pair, how did you deal with that and individually? I guess they are different, but I think both of us had like definitely challenges when we were stopping. Speaking for myself, even though mine was kind of done for me it was like a very difficult time I think especially the lead up to stopping yeah I'm lucky Scarlett is as supportive as she is because I don't think I was particularly easy to be around in those kind of like the months when I knew that it was likely that I was going to have to stop yeah it was really challenging understandably yeah and, and actually honestly like stopping wasn't the hard bit like once the decision was made and I was like that's what I'm going to do I was like absolutely fine but it was leading up to that it was yeah just all the decisions and the, and the thinking around it is definitely challenging that was a difficult dynamic for a while for sure yeah when, so when you stopped netball it was probably not quite the same because it was more on your own terms and then you knew it was something that you wanted to stop doing the difficult thing with that is that like I still loved playing netball I just I'd lost my mentality in my fight and I knew that in Super League once you'd lost the fight there's no point in being there if you're going to step down every time someone else steps up I knew once I'd lost that it was time and I felt that that summer and I just was like do you know what it's time now for me to kind of like step away find my like love for netball again in a like a different environment in my club team but that decision because it was on because I'd made it I felt like it made it really hard because a part of me still knew I was capable of being there and could have got selected for another season or could have kept playing and I made the decision not to um, because I wasn't happy or wasn't as happy. So I felt like I fought myself with that for years afterwards. And only really last season was okay with like not being in that environment. But um, yeah, because my, a lot of my club team, like three quarters and play for Super League. Like, so it's around me all the time. So I definitely found that really hard. I just knew that I wanted a career and I wanted to play netball and I'd stepped into like running the business. And I, that was my next challenge. That was my next goal. And I couldn't give everything if I was still playing netball so I I just made the decision but it was yeah hard and yeah I don't think it was particularly easy for any of us either Dallas was earlier so we kind of went through it at different times but I think we definitely both went through the same thing of like almost like identity crisis to a to a small extent where you're just like I used to introduce myself as a rower you used to introduce yourself as a netballer and then all of a sudden it's like hang on like what do I say when people ask me what I do what like what am I really and when we were playing sport we both had this goal that that you knew what the goal was you knew what you were doing every day to like work towards it and then all of a sudden you don't have that and you're like kind of choosing your own path I think that was difficult for both of us wasn't it not only do you know what you have to do yourself you have someone giving it like spoon feeding it to you or multiple people yeah a team of people spoon feeding you the path yeah absolutely but, I, but then actually I think that that is why the business has been really good for us in terms of like it's a new goal it's very different to like the kind of things that we've done before but it's being an athlete is almost helped I think in terms of you can see this end goal and then you're like right what are the steps to get there how do we break it down what do you have to do every day like sh showing up every day to like take the small steps that get there so then there are a lot of despite it being very different there is a lot of 
kind of areas that carry over, I think. And so you said that you, like, it was easy once you'd made the decision. Was it just like a weight lifted off your shoulders? Yeah, the run-up was really tough. I don't remember ever feeling like a weight lifted off my shoulders. I feel much better. It sounds like kind of lame, but like people that I've kind of seen since then, like like even my family and stuff, are just when I've spoken to them, they're, they're like, you just seem much happier. I will not. You vouch for that, you say? Yeah. Yeah. Mom is not the right word. You weren't an anxious character before, but yeah, there's just a different sort of energy there. Yeah, and and I do sort of feel that, but I don't think I had realised it when I was rowing. And I think... I don't think it was rowing that did that I do feel like it was kind of the end of rowing as well that did that especially because I was very like tense around that but I didn't expect it but actually yeah I do feel happy day to day and like very content as long as I've still got something to be to be working towards yeah I think I noticed a big difference from when you used to row at uni to when we were out of the team it's like definitely it feels like a positive change for sure so let's talk about the business then seeing as this leads quite nicely onto that do you want to tell us about the business that you guys co-founded yeah we did we started it all from the start together yeah we did yeah yeah um yeah so oh god where does this start i remember i was at zone three i think when the <laughs> idea came up that we were going to start something on amazon because we <laughs> had all this free time that we thought <laughs> yeah. we did in our heads at the time um, and we could run a business and it and it was literally like hey how can we make some money oh i know how to design products and fraser was like well i've been doing a bit of reading on how you can like do fba fulfillment on amazon and, da, 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 and had kind of got into this mindset that we could both run this company on the side of being athletes right from there we downloaded a software called jungle scout and had like i'd say probably nine months like flicking through different products and checking out whether they had high competition on amazon in terms of like review and sales rate and like Fraser was keen at one point to do electronics and I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> Obsessed with like the straightening hair dryer. Yes, oh my God, Sam. Is this right? Why don't you mention that? I could be he so was obsessed. rich. Obsessed. <laughs> it was never supposed to be a company at the start. Like that wasn't the idea, was it? It's no, just like, oh, we can make a bit of extra money. Amazon was great because we could get kind of stuff manufactured and sent to Amazon and then we didn't have to like have be like hands on and we <laughs> thought that there wouldn't be much time involved in it. And like looking back, that is really funny because it's eating up all of our lives completely and just remember the first pictures we took for it was like we were in your kitchen in Henley, do you remember? We like pushing the tables over the side, taking pictures of like this. Taking photos it ended up it. being a baby wrap just uh, just for oh, yeah, we said that. So we now sell maternity stuff. Scarlett found this this baby sling, which is what we sell a product on Amazon. She was like, Oh these these sell quite well and there's not much competition. And she showed them to me and I was like, Scarlett, we can't sell baby stuff. Literally like three months later, we were ordering baby stuff from China. So I, I lost that battle. At like a year down the line, we decided it was doing really well and that it made more sense to take it off Amazon because there was just like more competition coming into Amazon itself and then it was becoming more expensive to do it that way because they take quite a lot of um, the percentage when they fulfill the items and stuff so we thought that hey why don't we set up our own website and we can fulfill it ourselves and that'll save us loads of money <laughs> um didn't save us time though <laughs> yeah it's definitely more work because we started in the beginning we were like sending it all out ourselves packaging ourselves we don't have to do that now which is brilliant God. yeah we have like a warehouse up in birmingham who fulfill everything for us when somebody places in order so that's ideal because that would take up all of our time oh my now. god we wouldn't be able to but yeah it's, it's just progressed like loads since then hasn't it like since we moved off amazon in 2017 yeah and yeah now we now we both do it full time we're sat now at the work desk 
we have a lesson. It, it is about a meter and a half long, this desk that we both use. So <laughs> not big enough for two people. We have a monitor each as well as our laptops. I have the bigger monitor and we have a chair and each. And a bigger chair. And I have a bigger chair because Scarlett needs to know who's the boss. <laughs> it's not you. <laughs> it's kind of gone from there. Like being an athlete, there's loads of goals and opportunities in business. And I think that's what we're both drawn to. It isn't so much the product. And I think we're both learning a load, but we're not particularly um, attached to the products. We don't have kids. And so we don't have much relatable experience to it. But growing a business, whether that be in this industry or another one, it's it has very similar strategies and tactics of which we're both learning like a crazy amount and so yeah I think we both have ambitions outside of the business like longer term but the business is kind of like a step up to achieving those and um, moving from here isn't it really? yeah if somebody had told me like that a maternity company would be anything like or I would have thought that it was ridiculous but now when we're doing it it's just like there are just so many things that are like really similar and like the fact that like everything that you do directly impacts like you and your life is very similar to sport and whereas I feel like that's different to if we but if we work normal jobs and you can't like kind of directly see the impact of what you're doing you kind of get out what you put in very similar to to sport in that sense as well yeah do you find that you're building kind of similar to sport that support network around you get you through certain scenarios or are you just sort of like trying to figure it out yourself to some extent yeah so i think we have six freelancers at the moment two of them are part-time so they work every day nine to one and then the other two are as good as full-time because i think they work for yeah they work like a, a load of hours i can't even tell you how many hours probably at the end of the month they do their invoice and i'll be like oh god too many hours too many hours um yeah, so there's about six people that we work with very closely that, that put a lot of hours into the business. And I'd say probably come January, we'll bring a couple of those people in-house with us. So we'll have a team of maybe four to five people um, next year in hopefully an office, but God knows what it will look like um, at this point in time, and maybe virtual for a while. But that was initially the plan, wasn't it, that we would kind of move to, well, now it looks like Brighton um, and have a little space down there and bring people on and start with five-ish and then see where we go. There. there's a bunch of like areas that if we had more time we could do better and and that's basically like how we look at where we would hire people i guess that's kind of the exciting side of it is that you wouldn't have imagined it would have been here a couple of years ago you'd be in the position that you are in yeah yeah exactly if someone told me i was running a maternity probably three years ago i'd probably laugh at, in their face <laughs> it's definitely grown to the point where i don't i don't think we would have ever expected it to get to this stage i think that's the surprising thing for us as well and probably what keeps us really motivated is the success of the business up until up until this stage like a few months ago i mean with everyone being inside and online it just kind of took a new level of crazy didn't it and we did have the workload before but we were just like oh we can do it we can do it and when it got to a stage that we physically could not do it we realized exactly the same within sport you realize what a team can bring you and it just gets you so much further than individual effort do you, what are the next steps then you mentioned ambitions both with and beyond the business yeah i don't particularly know exactly so i think we're both on the same page in that like we'd like to grow free rider and then and then to like sell it to exit in some way but probably to sell the company hopefully use that money to springboard onto other things set up something else and maybe something that we have like a bit more of a passion around in terms of the product what we're doing is like really interesting motivating but i imagine doing it around something that 
you love would be even better? Yeah, I mean, like Kaiser was crazy. I think we both have a very similar pathway until figure out free riders' future, whether that's to kind of like sell it or whatever that is, an exit at some point. For me, like I've always really been interested in like the social impact world and how how you can kind of make charity into business. So like that's what I found a real passion for outside of general business. How do you get charity thinking on a business scale and how can we sell products through elements that aren't charities that is a business that can also generate profit for good that really interests me and I just think there's so there's so much raw talent in other countries that's just not being utilized at the moment just just through lack of internet and accessibility and people being able to see the products and I just think there's such a space for that and I I would love to dive into that at some point and and get stuck in in some way whether that be like helping a charity or starting a business that kind of is um has like a social element to it charity element but, but not a charity did you go to kenya well on a trip to do like look at stuff in kenya i think that's where the idea kind of initially came from it's just like seeing all this amazing handcrafted talent within the bags that they sell and they didn't have like designs that would necessarily work over in the uk but i was just like the raw talent was there and i was like i want to do something with this so a couple of months later i kind of booked a flight to kenya out with um a friend of mine who's a photographer and videographer um, and we went down and we met a few manufacturers and kind of I w- had worked on some like bag designs with them just over online really. And then when we went out there, we did like a photo shoot with loads of like Kenyan models and like just got the bags on like in the scenery. I imagined them and it, it just turned out amazing. Like the photo shoot was incredible. I also linked up with a charity out there called Stahili that work on like things with orphanages, but like make sure the, f- the children stay with their families as opposed to having to be pulled into the orphanage system. So they, they do a lot around community networking and how to help families live sustainably um so i went out there met them we did some like content with them and got some video of them and um we're kind of trying to figure out how we could help them build like a family center in in one of the um counties like around kenya um so yeah the, the idea is like still very much there I, I kind of got back and realized that running two businesses was just impossible and and that's kind of the thing i learned from netball it's like you can only do one thing at a time really well so if you're going to invest in free rider and invest your life in it then you can't have something else pulling you away on the side um so yeah i think one business is definitely enough for now but that's that's kind of where i'd love to see myself in the future in and around that area that sounds so exciting yeah that's cool based off that a question that we're kind of the entire thing the podcast is based around what's your interpretation of success and what do at what point do you see yourself or have you started to see yourself as successful yeah i mean that's a really good question and something that i like definitely have thought about because i think previously maybe i was like success is going to the olympics or success is earning loads of money or, or whatever but the more i think about it the more i just think that success is feeling content with what you're doing and i think for me i feel content when i am like doing what i want to do because i want to do it so like if i'm able to like get up if i have time to exercise in the day if i can do like a good day of work that i feel really accomplished with spend time with people that i really like spending time with that makes me happy and i think that there's like that for me is more of 
success than anything else. So I think I feel like if you if you chase success, then then you almost like don't end up there, and you have to enjoy the process of getting there. Otherwise, you will never get there. I think not not that I feel like I'm there and successful now, because I feel like there's like constantly stuff that we that we want to do, and we're like always working hard to like progress. But I do feel like success is to me is kind of like enjoying the journey. Yeah, I'd, I'd say something. Success is just being happy and I, and that's more what I'm prioritizing now than I ever have done. I don't really think before when I had all these amazing goals, I loved having a goal and I loved the process of achieving them, but I never really questioned whether I was that happy trying to achieve them. In your mind, happiness is created by yourself. I think a lot of your own happiness can be engineered by your own thoughts. So it's learning how to control that and actually identifying what makes you happy. And that's that's actually a re- that's a really difficult question. Like what actually makes you happy? What do you enjoy doing well? I know I love going to the gym. I know I love my friends. I know I love having a goal, but you know, the process of making sure I enjoy the process of getting there rather than the actual end point. Because you know, even when the day comes where we actually eventually sell free rider, I think it will be like this flash of success. But then it will probably be the next question is like, oh God, what are we doing now? Worried about what we're doing next. Oh, like, oh God, we don't have a job anymore. What are we doing? <laughs> you need to enjoy the journey of the stuff that you're doing. Jim Perry had a quote where he said, I wish everybody could get rich and famous so they can see that it's not the answer, which I think is quite good. So from now, if you were to look back so far, would you say that you've been successful or would you say that you, you're still not failed, but on the journey? We're still on the journey. I think maybe you're always on the journey. Like it would be easy for me to look back and say that I wasn't successful. So rowing, for example, but then I feel like if you have that mindset, then that makes it the case almost like I can either look back at it and be like, I was unsuccessful. I didn't achieve what I wanted to achieve. Or I can look back at it and be like, I was successful. I made it into the team. I went to some like really cool events. I got to represent my country. That whole process, like a success for me. And so I think that very much depends on the way you look at it. But then I think I choose to look at it not as unsuccessful. There's still room to go. And like, we're still, like you said, we're still on the journey. And and I feel like if you didn't feel like you're on the journey, you would feel a bit lost. So I feel like I always would like to have something to, to strive for and to aim for. I would would say I'm happy with the journey so far. I would say the like athlete mentality in any situation where you've not made a goal, like EG got into the Olympics or gone to the Olympics or made an in-level team in that starting 12 or whatever. That's always, as an athlete, that's always going to feel like a failure. Part of us, even though we love to talk ourselves around and be like, no, there are successes, we'll always feel like a slight bit I think internally, either of us will always feel like maybe a slight bit has always not had that success that we so badly wanted when we were younger. But equally, like if you spoke to anyone else that hadn't been through the journey or even our parents, like they pick out the best parts and say, what so you don't think XYZ is successful? And you can't turn around and say no, because when you list out your achievements, they're ridiculous things to have said you've achieved. So yeah, that that part, I think for both of us, that is a huge success. I think we have to both look at it like that. As far as the business, uh, I would say we have a long way to go. <laughs> I'd say we've hit milestones now though, that revenue milestones that we just think, oh my God, like we never thought in a million years we'd be anywhere near what we're doing at the moment. So I think that is a success. And I think because we never had a goal in business, like we always had a goal in sport like the end goal was always the same and the post was always high in starting the business because we didn't actually mean to we've kind of got to a stage where we're like 
oh, we're doing this. And I don't always think that that's right. I think we do need goals in the future. So we know that we're being successful. But yeah, to this stage, we have had major milestones that have felt like success because we just never expected. And that's what it is, isn't it? Expectation, I guess. But we never expected to get this far. Okay, so I'll now be the the parents that will say stuff. When we mentioned about coming on the podcast and it was about success and Fraser, you were like, oh, why are they getting us on to a podcast about success? Because I would look at what the two of you have done and think that you've, I wouldn't say like turned a situation around, but from the outside people who are naive and don't necessarily know the full story would say that you didn't achieve or failed in the sports that you started out on, on your like initial journey. But actually what you've turned it around into just something that people some people never never manage finish sport and have a constant identity crisis whereas I think the two of you came together and have done something that's like that you should be immensely proud of you're two very talented humans like it had been so easy for you to go straight into a big city job or find something that I'm sure you would have been happy with however to build again from the ground up and go through another set of setbacks and to come out with this incredible venture is like really inspiring. Oh, thanks guys. That's really nice. We're tearing up on this. <laughs> that is really nice of you to say. Do you think that you are now in yourselves happier because you've left sport and you can not draw a line under it but look back more fondly or do you still feel like you're yet to grow into more happiness i would say i feel like my maybe netball journey isn't over i think maybe the reason i was with netball is because i had a different role in it that i didn't realize like i absolutely love the coaching aspect of netball and i'm i'm in a club team now that, that there's a lot of youngsters coming through and i think i'm going to have a completely different role in coming seasons bringing them up and they're very they're very talented kids like a lot of them in under 17s England netball squads and stuff and the senior players have such an impact on how you like perceive the sport and how you enjoy the sport and how you go on to do in the sport and I I hope to have a different role maybe come back like within it as a coach because I, I just still love the sport it's like such a it's ingrained in me to love the sport and I and I definitely still do so I, I feel like it's not finished journey for me I think my mine is finished probably <laughs> but I I think yeah like yes I do actually think I'm happier but I, that's oh, yeah. not to say that I think that it was like rowing that was making me unhappy i think that while you are doing those things you don't realize like what you're doing and kind of like how good it is and it's i don't think it's until you step out that you can look back and be like that was a, a really good time i really enjoyed that and like and you can see it for what it is so i think sometimes at the time rowing like day to day sam will know it very well that you spend like 95 percent of your time exhausted <laughs> and like it's like train eat go to sleep and i think it's an amazing thing to do and i like i would love to be like carrying on and going to the olympics and and everything like that that wasn't for me but i'm still like yeah I, st I think I'm probably happier now yeah as we kind of talked about earlier in the podcast than I was at the time but I would say that I, that doesn't mean that I wouldn't do it the same way again yeah we'll give you a breather from the heavy stuff <laughs> for a second Deep yeah this is a question we've been asking everyone what's the most rogue purchase you think you've made either recently or ever I did have a good one when we were training at Bath when I was at uni woke up on a Sunday morning and I was in my bed I just 
scrolling through Gumtree, as you do, and then uh, Fat spotted two micro scooters. My housemate was in the room next to me, so I knocked on his door and I was like, Ben, do you want a micro scooter? And he was like, well, yes, obviously I want a micro scooter. So then I got <laughs> in touch with the person who owned them, went over to collect them, <laughs> knocked on the door, and the person answered the door and they were like, oh, I was expecting you to be like, a child. <laughs> I was like, six foot six Fraser waddles in. I was like, no, yeah, no, I'm not a child. And then they bought these two micro scooters and actually they came in so useful. I used to commute to training in it, training on it in Henley. Rogue, but also one of the best purchases I've made. I did buy a photo studio once, like the whole lighting and kit, because I was convinced by I can Fraser that I could do all the shots on the website. And so we bought a whole photo studio and it was like hundreds of pounds. <laughs> and I was like, right then, I just need to set up these lights. And the photos were awful, like awful. <laughs> like, these influence do all the time. I can, I can set up a photo studio. This is fine. Uh, okay, before we wrap it up, so if you could go back and tell yourselves one thing that you've learned now, what would it be? Mine would probably be don't bother working as hard in your final year of university. It's not worth it. You're still going <laughs> to get is that from a rowing and work front? Mainly from a work front. I like properly, <laughs> yeah. I like properly revising my final year. It's a complete waste of time. So you wouldn't tell yourselves to work harder in the previous three years? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that would be hard, but no, apparently not. Mine would be just to like, I think not be so hard on myself all the time. Particularly at uni, I felt like I was really, I was really tough on myself. So I just, some things are just out of your control and I wish I'd had a wider perspective sometimes of that because you know any coach or anything what they say is you know you believe it as so true all the time and that can be quite difficult sometimes you just need a wider perspective so I wish I'd just yeah been a bit more easy on myself and taking things a little bit lighter mm. but not not worked less hard or not not got lazy just kind of yeah wasn't so emotionally draining on myself and tough or potentially also like last week's lottery numbers would have been useful oh yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> so you'd have waited till you were 27 to give yourself the lottery numbers <laughs> yeah i haven't needed them till, till now. cool right well i think that's a wrap i think we're good it's been amazing talking to you guys thank you so much for being such great guests it's been fun well, you guys have been so nice i think we should do this every week <laughs> yeah we need a conference <laughs> rub your egos for a bit <laughs> at some point is somebody going to come on and ask you loads of questions maybe and yeah do so, you want us we to do it? <laughs> we'll see we'll vet everyone <laughs> thanks for coming on the podcast bye <laughs> <laughs> see you later guys bye Wow, well, that was really interesting. Um, Sam, what were your takeaways from that? Yeah, I just, I love doing this podcast because it gives us an opportunity to ask questions that we possibly don't usually get to ask. And even though I've known them both for like so many years and asking questions on a bit of a deeper level and finding out the answers is just really, really interesting. The fact that I've done a lot of my rowing career with Fraser from the very beginning and we've been there when we've had the highs and the lows and to just really 
talk about what they actually feel like and yeah it was just really interesting and especially as he's no longer Rowan now but he's still someone that I look up to I've always seen him as someone that was better than me because when I started rowing he had already been doing it for a year so he was like that person that I could look up to to obviously always try and beat but yeah it's just it was just super super interesting and just amazing how open they both were about quite a personal situation I don't know what you thought of it yeah I found it really interesting how so I obviously probed them a bit um, on their setbacks as to whether they to what extent they view them as setbacks and Scarlett had a really difficult netball career with injury Fraser had the same with uni really and obviously rowing like their dream scenario didn't play out um, but they're rewriting the script now and that's really exciting and really cool. And um, I love their business mindset as well. Obviously, I run a company and I always like seeing what Fraser and Scarlett are up to because um, the way they run things is really slick, really professional. And it's just, yeah, it's great to see them progressing from what could be viewed as a failure, which it by no means was. Like They're two of the most successful people we know before we, we even scratch the surface of the business like just their sporting achievements are what the average person can only ever dream of but yeah they took that difficulty and just now they're seeing where they can go and um the future sounds really exciting for them so um yeah super excited to like follow them be involved and see where they get to on their journey yeah i think also for me as like a takeaway was actually really nice to hear them say that they didn't regret anything because i think as when you know someone really well and you just want you want them to be happy and to actually hear them say that that's all you want for people and it was just really nice to be able to hear that yeah and I mean but we said it in the podcast you know like it's easy to beat yourself up about these things but they are two of the most successful people we know period they have to remember that sometimes and it's so easy from the outside for us to look in and cast that light bulb moment of actually here's a list of all the things you've done but yeah it's nice to nice that they're now at a stage where they can look back fondly um, on all the memories they had so yeah we'll like we say we'll be back next week with quite a fun podcast no guest just sam a life-changing moment we'll call it that's building up the hype quite a lot there jack <laughs> is it wrong <laughs> no, no no it's not wrong right well then don't sell us short <laughs> so until then like subscribe and we'll see you next week <laughs>